RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. Wow! This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Hey, hey, everybody. What's going on? Welcome to Duffified Live on a Friday morning. Super excited to be back. You know, crazy couple of weeks off. Uh, you guys heard the story last week about what it is that I've been doing and where I've been running. And it's good to get back in front of this fancy blue microphone to have Jerry in my ear chatting it up because they're awesome individuals. Just Jason or Jerry and Jason are just great guys. And I'm lucky that I get to talk to them every week. And I took a couple weeks off to get some personal business taken care of with my businesses and my daughter going to school and all that crazy stuff. And, uh, and now we're back in the swing and back in the swing means that I talk to people that I, that interest me. I talk to people that I think are really pretty cool. I talk to people that I meet on planes. I talk to people that I meet in bars. I talk to people that I meet online. Um, <clears throat> to me, that's the way the life should be. I mean, if somebody interests you, what's wrong with just reaching out to them and saying, Hey, I'm interested in what you do. Can, you know, let's talk about it. You know, you look at, at some of the guests that we've had in the past, um, you, you know, I mean, Rob's 10 K friends like Rob Lawless, man, this guy's going around the country, having an hour long conversation with people, not an interview, but he's just talking with people, learning about them, understanding their life and what it is that they do. And, and, you know, uh, I, I think that that one of the things that piqued my interest in doing this podcast and one of the things that piqued my interest in communicating with people as much as I do comes down to travel. I, I, I can't stress it enough. Like you need to get out of your goddamn house. You need to get out of your town. You need to go past that stoplight at the end of the street and just keep going. Go and find a place that you've never been before. Start small, man. Go, go, go 25 miles away. Go 100 miles, 100 miles, 100 miles. Think about that. That's not that far, man. It's like an hour and a half. It's like an hour and a half in your car, on your, on your mountain bike, on a motorcycle. Go and walk somewhere. I don't care what you do. Just get out there and go and see something different. Because me traveling has opened up my eyes to so much. It's made me a more patient person. You know, I, I get onto planes these days and everybody's bitching because we're five minutes delayed because maintenance has to come on and they have to check a bolt. Well, for me, that bolt could be holding the engine onto the goddamn plane. That bolt to me is keeping the pilot's seat down when he takes off. That bolt is what is closing that door and holding it shut so that I don't get sucked out into the abyss of space and land on somebody's roof in the middle of Dubuque, Iowa. Okay. That is what that bolt is for me. So quit bitching about the fact that they want to check the plane to make sure that it's safe because of the fact that you're flying through the air at 500 miles an hour on a tube filled with liquid fuel that's going to explode at any minute. Minute. So do me a favor when you get onto a plane, sit back, relax, look around you, and have a conversation with somebody. 
communicate with them. Find out where they are. You know, I, I remember back to a flight that I took to uh, Florida once where I met a woman named Fiona. Fiona was uh, an older woman. She was probably 60, 65, older than me. Don't get offended, people. I'm not saying that that's older, but she was older than I am. And she was going down to see her daughter at college who was sexually assaulted two days before. Think about that. This woman was flying a plane to go and coddle her daughter. Not coddle because coddle is a negative way. Coddle is a negative term. She was going down to console and comfort her daughter who was sexually assaulted a couple of days before. I met that woman on a plane. I learned all about her life. I learned about her husband and as a traveling salesman and what she did to raise three kids and all that. I never would have done that if I didn't start a conversation. And oddly, honest, or oddly enough, you know where the conversation started? She was wearing sequin shoes, sneakers that had pink sequins on them. And I complimented her shoes. And she then said, I see you're taking a picture of your shoes. And that was the conversation. That was the icebreaker. <clears throat> so go out there communicate with people and talk to people and learn about their lives. Somebody you've never spoken to before, engage with them. It's really an eye-opening experience. And then travel. Go get a credit card. Put the flight and the hotel on the credit card and then go and travel and then pay it off when you get back. A couple months, pay it off and then do it again. But go and see the world and see everything that's out there. And this isn't like Mr. Spiritual Dude talking. You guys know me. I'm a pretty straightforward dude. But I'm going to tell you that traveling changed my entire life. The fact that I am at the mercy of other people to get me to a location, I will book my own flight. I will book my own hotel. I will make sure that I order my Uber when I get into that town. But... You're putting your life at the mercy of other people, the pilots, the flight attendants, TSA, every single part of it. So when you're standing in line at TSA, give them a break. Give everybody a break. You're all getting to the same location. We understand that some of us run late. Trust me, I run late all the time when I fly. But go out there and be patient, man. It's just that simple. And 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 this is going to lead me into a next part of this because this is, uh, you know, my next guest is somebody who travels, somebody who's seen the world, who just got back from British Columbia doing an Ironman competition. Okay. This is a mother of three kids. This is an ex-teacher who is now Mrs. Pennsylvania 2019. Okay. So we're talking today to Rebecca West Hensinger and um, Rebecca is currently Miss Pennsylvania America 2019. Um, she was awarded the title on April 6, 2019 at the Ware Theater in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You guys know my love for Pennsylvania because it's my home state and I love living here. Um, she's an award-winning Ironman triathlete on four continents and was a member of Team USA Triathlon in 18. She's been awarded all-world athlete Ironman status three years in a row and currently holds silver status for her international top 5% age group within finish times. She's currently in active training to climb Mount Kilimanjaro with her husband in 2020. I got a pretty good feeling this lady leads a good life. And I've got a really good feeling that she leads a pretty balanced life as well. Three kids, a husband, Mrs. Pennsylvania, a platform of which she's doing, which involves education, as well as being an Ironman at the top level, top level. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to do me a huge favor. Welcome to Duffified Live, Mrs. Pennsylvania 2019, Rebecca West Hensinger. Well, good morning, Mrs. Pennsylvania 2019. 
Thank you. Good morning to you. <laughs> it's nice to finally be able to get you on the phone. I know that uh, you and Sam have gone back and forth a little bit trying to get these dates together. So I'm pretty happy that we were able to make this happen. Yes, likewise. Likewise. <clears throat> So, Rebecca, why don't you do me a favor, since I've already given away a little tidbit of the information of who you are, why don't you tell me who you are, what you do, and how we can get in contact with you? Sure. So, my name is Rebecca West Hensinger. I am a wife, mother, triathlete, and your current Mrs. Pennsylvania America 2019. I'm from the Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. We're about an hour north of Philadelphia. We're the third largest city in Pennsylvania. What city is and that? I've been living uh, Allentown. Oh, Allentown. I love, I just was like just the, up, I was just up there last week. No. Oh, sorry. I totally interrupted oh my you. Gosh. I interrupted you halfway no, through. No. I apologize. I'm a horrible, I horrible host. I, hey, I want to know what you were doing in Allentown. I shot a TV show up there. Oh, get out. Get out. You know, sometimes we have movies that roll through here, like yeah. movie sets, all kinds of things, especially with the Bethlehem Steel yeah. um, really yeah. being in the forefront of our tourism. Um, you know, it makes for a great backdrop for a lot of things. But Billy Joel did indeed write a song about our town. <laughs> we know. Uh, I was born and raised here. Yeah, everybody knows that song. Born and raised here. I'm uh, married to my high school sweetheart. Oh, that's awesome. And together, yeah, together combined, we have three kids all about to have birthdays, um, 10, 11, and 13. So we are getting ready for the tween years. Which are, uh, so do you have boys or girls or boy, girl? What's your combination? Uh, Two boys and one girl. So boys are smelly as hell. Oh my gosh. And girls are even worse. They're even worse. I have arguably. I have two. I have an 18 year old and a 15 year old. Who, oh if you get a chance wow. at some point today, you have to go over to my Instagram and watch the story of these wonderful, like elegant, young, intelligent, aggressive, go after what you want. Everything I've tried to teach them, women, they're beating the shit out of each other. Mm. on Instagram. <laughs> it's, and I was, and it was like 1130 at night oh and they're chasing hey, each other. Time. I know it's awesome. You know I mean? It's awesome. They have a great relationship They're they're I think they're a little amiss with each other right now because my oldest is leaving for college in two weeks. Oh my God. And my youngest is like, oh. what the hell do? Right. Like what <laughs> life, so. life really changes when one of your siblings leaves. That's for sure. Well, it's, so, it's just, it's yeah. funny because the youngest would, I said, are you going to take over Emily's room? And she's like, well, no, because where's Emily going to sleep when she comes home? Oh, she's I was like, you're the sweetest kid. Yeah. So, oh. uh, but so Allentown, so I, so I live in Philadelphia. I spend a lot of okay. time up north, up north. I mean, Pennsylvania is not that far north. It's, it's an hour, but I lived in Scranton mm-hmm. for two years. I lived, uh, up there oh. for a while. I love the whole Northeastern Pennsylvania area. Um, I worked yeah, up there, yeah. huge fan. Um, but I, oh, I nice. shot a TV show. I opened a restaurant up there called the Greenhouse Anateca. Oh my gosh, no way! We were just there. Gosh, maybe. Oh, actually, I know when it was. It was June twenty first because I was receiving an award from the city of Allentown, a proclamation for winning Lehigh County in Pennsylvania and representing my town. And they actually declared June 23rd 
as my own day in the city. And we went no to the greenhouse afterwards to celebrate. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. I'll, I'll yeah, tell you, Sal and, Heidi, Sal and Heidi are, are, are a really good working team. The owners. Yeah, that is a strong. really cool space too. Yeah. I actually remember, um, well, previously it was a greenhouse and yeah. it was for owned 90, for like 90 years, right? Oh my gosh. You have no idea. So if you had never stepped foot into what this former built, what this building formerly occupied, you would know if you would have, because it was such a dump. It smelled so bad. God, it was really run down. You know, I can't believe that they actually sold anything living there as in plants and, and so vegetable funny. starters or whatever. But wow, that place was like urban legend. That's so funny. Yeah, well, I, and it's really interesting to see it take on something new. Well, when they first called me, they neither one of them knew anything about the restaurant. In fact, Heidi, who is this one, uh, just uh, just this this bubbly, vivacious. When she hugs you, she hugs you with her chest, and you can feel her heart. Mm. Like she just gives the greatest, biggest kind of bosomy grandma hug, and she's like thirty six. <laughs> You know, nice. and she just, she talks nice. to her staff and she's so excited about what they're doing for the day and the bounty of the product and that they harvested and she gets their staff so excited yeah, and, and they and it right? totally comes through in the service and the execution of what they do. So it was a really, really nice visit to go back up there after they had hired a chef who was, who was just a really horrible, mean, negative person. Um, who really oh tried gosh. to bring them down and they finally, finally fired him on like a Saturday night. And it was because no the, the food is 10 times better. The, the, the air inside of the restaurant is better. You walked in before mm. and you just felt the tension. It was bad. Wow. Yeah. So I'm yeah. glad you've been in there. I can you imagine. Go back in. Oh my God. Ask for Sal and ask yeah, for tell them that we talked. Okay. That would be wonderful. I really, uh, I thought that their menu was pretty impressive. And, you know, I, I'm pretty much able to say that I visited probably every noteworthy restaurant around here. My mom is a chef. I was raised oh around my God, food. That's awesome. Yeah, I have a deep appreciation for food and love trying out new spaces. So whenever we hear that there's a new restaurant opening in the Lehigh Valley, uh, we're there. For sure. Well, you know, one of the biggest things for these guys, and I'm not even, I mean, I, I can't divulge too much because the show hasn't aired, but they are, first off, Heidi is a vet, is a vegetarian. Ah, me too. Lifelong. So, okay. So Lifelong. she's a vegetarian and Sal is more or less a vegetarian, but, but her reasoning is strictly for humane reasons. And there was a, ah, there's a very okay. poignant moment in the show where Sal really has to make a decision. And this was not a forced, this wasn't a produced reality situation. Like we had to make a decision about what we were going to do. And she had to make the call because she was the only person who had the phone number. And it was a really wow. tough thing. And it was a, such a huge moment for me because I've never seen somebody with that much conviction and that much mm -hmm. You know, somebody who has just that much power in what they believe in. Yeah. And it was, it was yeah. super evident at that moment. So everything that they do is super clean. They buy from as many local farmers in the area as they can, despite the price of the product. Wow. That's like, a big factor they're too. They're really, 
really, really interested in what they do. So I'm super glad that you're up there and, and go in and say hi to those guys. They're awesome. Yeah, I will. And you know, the, the Lehigh Valley area has a pretty booming vegetarian, vegan community. It's um, so weird because it's like meat yeah. and potatoes. You've got to be kidding me. I know. Me. We're, we're so close to Lancaster, which is just dairy, beef, you know, livestock, all that. But we do have a thriving vegetarian, vegan community. We just wrapped up our annual Veg Fest, which, I mean, that's an event that I look forward to all year. So it's basically all vegetarian food trucks and tents. And it's, it's a huge draw in the community and just a really well-run festival. That's so cool. I wish they would do it a couple times a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, very, very cool. I mean, I know there's a lot of cool stuff that happens up there. And one of the things that I, you know, look, I, I, I was going to Scranton mm-hmm. starting, I, I guess, probably in 1994, 95, when there was really just nothing going on up there. Right. That's before the office that anybody knew about Scranton. Right. right? But I, I mean, even the entire, <laughs> yeah, well, seriously, I actually, I did, a, I did an, I was the corporate executive chef for a, a group of Irish pubs called Kildare's and we had a restaurant oh, okay. up in Scranton. So the office convention was coming through and the whole yeah. city was like expecting millions of peoples are going to converge down in town and they were going to take over oh, the electric city. I sold, no. I sold one crab cake sandwich oh. over oh. two days. It cost me 800 Stop. bucks to get into it. We had crab. I was like, Stop. guys, we need a thousand crab cakes made. We sold oh, one. No. It was horrible. But the oh, funny no. thing about that is the drive up there. Sometimes you go, I always joke around and say, when you go through that Lehigh tunnel, it's like you're going back 15 yes. years. Oh, it's so true. It's you know, so it's like true. all of a sudden everybody's running yeah. around with an iPhone three and they're, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just a different world. It's a simpler life. It's a more peaceful life. That's how I believe. Mm-hmm. And there was a very large group of older people that really were like, ah, guess what? It happened to us. The steel industry went away or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, this revolution is gone. It's just not here. We have to accept it and we have to be poor and impoverished. And and then the young community like Pittston. Are you kidding me with Pittston? How oh about my that? Gosh. Town? The, the, the real. Exactly. The, the young, the younger group of people, the, the 21 year olds that are moving, that, that are now 30 have taken over. And it's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Gosh, I haven't been up that way in, in forever, in forever. Into Pittston or up into Scranton? Pittston and Scranton, for sure. For sure. You know, there's so, there's just so much going on in the Lehigh Valley. They're really trying to revitalize a lot of the areas and they're doing a pretty good, they're doing a pretty good job, I would say. So we stick around here. Well, I mean, I agree with you. I think that you guys are doing a great job. And I think that it is the responsibility of, you know, the younger generation to get out of that mindset of where they were originally, which was, it sucks. Mm -hmm. Woe is us. Allentown, Billy Joel did a song. Great. Now what are we going to do? But to see the revitalization of buildings like the Greenhouse, which was a a landmark in, in Allentown. Yeah. It gets people talking just like we're talking right now. Exactly. So now, first off, and I think it's a, oh, I just want to say, I think that it's, it's food 
I think there's restaurants, food and, bev- and beverage that really do bring people together like that. Well, it's one of the sure. first things that people are, you know, when you have a little bit of extra cash, when you have mm-hmm. had a great week as, as, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, or if you find that extra 30, 40, $50, you're like, let's go out to eat. And now you're Absolutely. able to find places other than, you know, a, a Wawa or other than a chain restaurant or other than a yeah. little tiny diner that serves just old school shitty food, you're finding really cool places that have a value attached to them. Yes. And have an art attached to it. And a sure. massive art. I love massive the art. of what people are doing up there. It's, uh, it's just, it's such a great, clean, refreshing feeling. I agree. My husband and I travel extensively for work. We find ourselves on planes about we're gone probably about two weeks out of the month on average. And one of the best parts about traveling so much is being able to sample so many different cuisines, see, you know, the trends in different areas. We were just in Austin, Texas and, best. and food wise, it was the true just trucks. incredible. Did you go to food trucks oh or did you guys go gosh. out to eat? Both, both. Okay. You know, never before have I seen a Venezuelan food truck. Oh yeah. Right off so of six. Cool. Right off a of dirty six. Six six and rainy. Is it Rainy Street? Uh yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. That's the bars. Rainy where all the Street. bars are. Yes, yes. And that's where all the food trucks kind of convene. And what a cool area. It's now the only negative about the area is the homeless population. Because it's oh my gosh. It's yeah. got really I mean, I was eating, you know, we were drunk at three AM doing food trucks and, and, and I mean, this is, I'm not, look, anybody who's out there, you can get angry with me or you can do whatever you want, but it was like walking dead. I mean, we were being swarmed 10 guys at a time standing around us. Are you going to finish that? What are you going to do with that $5 bill on the table? You don't look like you can eat all that. You need to give that hat, you know, half of that to me. Wow. It was really aggressive. It's the only negative thing I have to say. I love that city so much that in my restaurant in Philadelphia, I have a big neon sign that says, stay weird. Stay weird. Keep Austin weird. That's right. So many cool little places there. You know, I did also notice the the homeless population there, the amount of people living in tents. Yes. Um, You know, just that desperation and, Whenever I see someone who's homeless or my kids see someone who's homeless, I feel like it just always begs the question of how did somebody get there? Yeah, I agree. How, how, what happened? What decisions resulted in this? And a lot of times, you know, it's lack of support or drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Or, and I, I mean, I think I agree. I think the lack of support is a really pretty big, bold statement because a lot of these guys are vets. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of these guys are, you know, displaced from different parts of the country and they've ended up in Austin or they've ended up. I mean, if you talk about the homeless Mm -hmm. population anyway, you know, you look at San Francisco, I mean, San Francisco Mm -hmm. is just lining the streets. Now, if I were homeless, I'd want to live in San Francisco as well. But yeah, I think a lot of people do kind of migrate there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly sad to me for sure. Why are you traveling? Uh, I mean, so obviously for first off, congratulations on Mrs. Pennsylvania. That's super cool. Oh, thank you so, so much. I now know two of you because I know Valerie Ross Uh as well. Oh, I love Valerie. Valerie was actually one of the judges when I won state. She's the best. 
And she was, you know, it's hard to sit in front of a panel of judges and have them, they can ask you whatever they want in a four to six minute period. So you need, you need to be ready and you can't feel intimidated. But then again, you look at the panel in front of you and it's, you know, these beautiful, accomplished women, and some of them are not smiling at you. <laughs> some, some of them are not reacting to anything that you're saying, you know, so it's, it's not really a conversation. It's really just how you can articulate your answers to the questions that they can ask you and they can ask you anything. But what I remember about Valerie is I got this sense of warmth from her yeah. and as a result, that just made me feel so comfortable and, and so open. So I love Valerie. Yeah, she's she is uh, she's done a lot friend. of good. She's very good friends and in business with a good friend of mine named Katie Everett. And they do okay. um, they do some really, really cool stuff for the city. And they do a lot of really big charity events. And actually, Valerie and I did an event up at Gray Gardens. Do you know Gray Gardens? Hmm. No, I've never heard of it. If you get a chance, just watch the movie. It's Drew Barrymore and Laura Okay. I believe. But there was uh, uh, the woman who owned Grey Gardens, which is a house up on Long Island, or a house up in the Hamptons. And uh, the house itself, the woman who owned it basically became a cat lady and a hoarder. Let's put it that way. Oh, my God. The city of the Hamptons came in and they were like, you need to clean up or we have to you have to leave the house like there's nothing you can do. So she sold the house to a woman who owned to the woman who owned uh, the Washington Post. Her and her husband were the ones who leaked the story about Watergate. Wow. And they had to, the the only deal was, I think she bought it for $200,000, like a massive house on the Hamptons. Gosh. And she bought this house for like. It must have really been a mess. Oh, it was so bad. When you watch the movie, you'll get an understanding. But one of the things was there were so many cats there that when the woman had bought the house, she had to renovate the house to its original glamour and luster was basically the deal Mm -hmm. and the one thing she said was and it rained that night as whenever it rains you can still smell cat urine that comes out of the beams and everything from it and i did and it was pretty bad so but but i met that that was one of like the first times that valerie and i had worked together we had known each other from doing events but just watching her work and her and she's such a glamorous woman no matter what she does so yeah Oh, yeah. So she was a really great person for me to look up to, you know, in preparing for the state pageant, you know, what a title holder, how they carry themselves, what they do. And and she was just such a great inspiration. And then when I found out she was a judge, you know, we find out pretty late in the game who our judges are. And when they said her name, I just couldn't believe it. (laughs) So what Love is Valerie. the, what is the process? Like what, like what was your point where you said, I want to start doing a pageant? Like how oh does that gosh. come to, <laughs> and, and what are the steps to get you to that next level? It's a really, really great question. So, you know, doing a pageant is something I've always wanted to do ever since I was a little girl. I always sat glee, uh, glued to the TV when it was, the night where they broadcast the Miss Universe pageant. That was like the Super Bowl to me, you know? So 
I grew up watching that and admiring these women. And I think, especially in 2019, that our youth of all ages have so many people they can choose from as to who to look up to. Our kids are inundated by media, whether it's social media, the news, movies. They have so many people who they don't even know who are surrounding them and, you know, kind of begging to be inspiration. And so I've always looked up to women who are involved in pageantry because it really motivates you to get out there, put your best foot forward and be the best version of yourself for yourself and for those around you. So, you know, at age 37, maybe it's, some may consider it a little bit late in the game to become involved in pageantry. I've, I've heard people say, wait a second, isn't this for kids or very young unmarried women? And the truth is it's not. So pageantry is, is very inclusive. There's really something for every woman at any age. And it was last fall that I really just decided to give it a go. I felt like I was at a great point in my life. Um, I had just, well, technically I had retired from teaching so in the past 15 years. I worked in the, both the private and public schools in Pennsylvania and I resigned to work for my husband and be with my family more. And I really found myself missing my involvement with students because right. that's what I've been surrounded with my whole life. Now, what, were and you I a really teacher? wanted to start some, yes, yes, okay. kindergarten. Oh man, yep. come on. Start molding yeah. early. How about that one? I love that. <laughs> so much patience. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was it was such a joy, especially because uh, the last four years I worked in a Waldorf school okay. and our curriculum was based around life skills. So a huge part of our day was spent preparing meals together. And oh. I'm talking like Tuesdays, Every Tuesday, kids would bring in vegetables from home and we would cut them up. We would make a vegetable soup from scratch. Every Thursday, we would make homemade bread, my grandma's super old family recipe from scratch. We would make oatmeal. We would make Indian food. So that was like the hallmark of our day. And it was so, so much fun. And these are kindergartners. So, yeah, kindergartners using knives. I'm telling you. My girls do. Trust they me, learned, they did. They learned how to do it. Sure. That's the thing. Like, they really, they really learned how to do it. And they had an end result. They had soup to enjoy for lunch together. So Right. And they made it. So the great, pride from that experience. is so And they much. made it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Imagine being five years old and being able to say, I made this soup and it's super delicious. And at the end, we never had any leftovers. Right. And kids who were, you know, quote unquote, picky eaters or wouldn't touch a vegetable. As soon as you involved them in the food preparation, then they took an interest in it and eventually they were eating it too. Yeah. It's such a shame that they, very, very cool that those, like, they're just not, they're just not around. Those programs are not around. Like I know my girls went to school, you know, and my girls went to a very, you know, uh, I live in lower Marion. You know, that's where I live. And we have a, a, one of the, the the greatest school systems, you know, school districts in the country. But my girls don't mm-hmm. know how to, you know, it's not like they learned the basics of life skills doing that stuff. 
You know, yeah. we had to teach them that. We, I had to teach them that at home, you know, which well, I love. they had a great teacher, that's for sure. <laughs> We've had some fun. <laughs> Fiona loved, my oldest, yeah. my youngest loves to cook. My oldest is like, I'll have pasta with vodka sauce. And that's it. Pasta it's really all she eats. It's all she eats. <laughs> now boil now, some water. Boil yeah, some water. Boil the water. Don't forget to put the salt in. Um, yeah, don't forget to put the salt in. Right. Don't right. put olive oh oil God. in your water. No. Don't. Oh my gosh. Tell me why, please. I because do it that, all the time. What am I doing? Why do you do it? Let me ask that question first. I thought that it was recommended so the pasta wouldn't stick together. Right. Is that right? But at the same time, your sauce is not adhering to the pasta. Ah. Let that natural start. So most people, what they do is they cook their pasta and they cook it in water and salt and all that stuff and oil. Mm-hmm. And then they pull it out of the pan and then yes. they'll like sauce it in a bowl or something like that. Well, it's not sticking to the pasta because you've you've added now a lubricant. Oh to my it gosh! So that it doesn't stick. But salt, but pasta has starch. Starch mm-hmm. is like a glue when it's wet. So you add your pasta to your uh, your 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 you add your your sauce to your pasta without oil on it, and your sauce adheres to the pasta. So that way, you're getting like the perfect bite every time. Yes. Uh, so no more olive oil. Hungry. <laughs> We're good with that. It's what, 8.45, no, no, no. 9 a.m.? Yeah. Hey, it's time for spaghetti. What can I say? Hey, with Mrs. America coming up in yeah, you're not 23 days, oh, I don't God. think I'm really? eating spaghetti in the morning. Yeah. Okay. So days. I'm so excited. All right. So we, we got we got backtracked because we started talking about food, which is pretty standard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> or sidetracked. So, so, okay. So now you're, you're, you're teaching five-year-olds, you're, you're an educator at this mm-hmm. point and you made a decision that you want, you've always wanted to do pageants and now you're going into it. So, so, you know, and what does your husband do that you guys travel? Yes. So he's the global VP of sales for a genetics company. Oh, cool. And he's, re- yeah, he's responsible for everything outside of Asia. So wow. any continent besides Asia is his responsibility. So oh he's either on the phone or on a plane. Yeah. That's it. So, you know, the job has really taken us to some really, really cool places. Yeah. And not that you're asking me, but if I had to pick the coolest. No, I want to know. That, that was my next question. <laughs> was one of my next questions. Ever. It's so hard to pick, but there was this restaurant when we visited Stockholm. We oh. were in Sweden and uh, Denmark last year because my husband and I both qualified for triathlon team USA and awesome. we were traveling for, yeah, really, really cool. And a great reason to eat pasta and lots right. of carbs. Right. So we traveled to, to Europe to compete in the world championships, and we decided to make a trip out of it. So we spent about two weeks there and in Stockholm on one of their longest days of the summer where by 11.45 p.m., the sun was still up. We went to the most amazing restaurant in the city. I can't remember the name of it, but it was one of those, like, 15-course tastings. And my husband loves tasting menus, but for me, like, as a vegetarian and a glorified picky eater, because that's really what I am, sometimes it's a lot like torture because they'll bring you out, like, this beautiful hand-carved spoon with like something that you can't really identify on it, but it looks really beautiful. <laughs> you stick it in your mouth 
and then you're done and you're like, I don't know what that was. So I didn't eat much on that occasion, but the whole experience aesthetically was astounding. It was so beautiful. Well, and they so, cook, so I mean, especially in Sweden, there's such a different, is it Ekstet? Was the name of the restaurant Eggstick? Uh, no, no. I would know it if I heard it. All right. Because right. so one of the cool parts, now. I mean, there's there's some of the greatest chefs in the world are 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 start are coming out of Sweden. I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff with Favikin being over there. And I can't remember the other gentleman's name who who's over there who is is literally like setting is setting the restaurant world on fire with what he's doing. And he has this wow. amazing practice. I can't remember the guy's name where every Saturday night after dinner, his cooks prepare a dish for him and he critiques their dish. So these are cooks oh, that have man. just worked through a very intense 15 dinner. course oh. tasting menu and dinner service. And then they're preparing a dish for the chef who's now sitting down at a table at two or three o'clock in the morning. And he's saying, oh, this is God. great. I love what you did with this. I think you should maybe add this or change this or rethink the, you know, the complexity of this. Like, and it's, and, and it was one of those moments for me when I saw it was, it was in an episode of, of chef's table, but it's, it's kind of legendary in the world uh, with, of chefs. Cause people talk about it all the time, but it's such a great poignant moment for so many people because we as chefs are known as these hardcore rough around the edges, pushy, angry guys. And he sits down with his chefs and has conversations with them. Talks wow. to them about That's what not something you really see on TV. I have to say. Yeah. Well, if you watch, watch <laughs> chef's table, it's pretty amazing. Oh, I will. You know, I love, I grew up with the, the food channel, the food network on in the background constantly. Right. And, you know, when Emeril Lagasse was first getting his start and I remember um, all of my mom's cookbooks, the, the Barefoot Contessa, yeah. the Frog, what was it called? Frog, Frog Commissary. something. Commissary. Yes. I, I just remember the spines of all of these books and looking through them. Um, the Moosewood cookbook from that vegetarian restaurant in New York and and my mom also, in addition to being a chef, she made wedding cakes on the side. She's very hardworking, single yeah. mom of three. And, you know, to make it was kind of her side hustle to do these beautiful, beautiful cakes. So I grew up surrounding, surrounded by that. And I do, I do remember the one time she was delivering this gorgeous birthday cake. And I could sit and watch her pipe icing and do roses and like the basket weaving that like the icing that looked like basket weaving. Right. I could sit there and just watch her. You know, she was, she was so amazing. And she had this cake on the floor of our car and I was going with her to help her deliver it. And I don't know what happened. Like maybe she stopped abruptly at a red light, but I put my feet down into this cake. Oh my was about God. To be delivered. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about like a sensory memory, your feet going through oh, icing. Oh, yeah. You don't forget that. You no, don't. Not at and all. I also will never forget the look on her face when she looked at me. That's pretty fun. <laughs> like, what did you just do? My girls have seen stuff like that as well. Like, me, you know, all right, girls, I just have to go. I have to deliver this. I've got to get this to the, like, you know, and then I remember I had a Jeep Grand Cherokee that 
I was delivering pulled pork to somewhere, whatever it was, but it had mm. spilled in the back of the car. Oh, and then, no. and then it just like oh, no. rancid and it became moldy. Oh. My girls are like, we like, I, 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 I got rid of the car. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was about to say car. your car is forever changed. It was so bad. Forever oh, changed. So bad. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I remember my, fa- my father used to make wine. And we were, you know, my oh, father was wow. a teacher. My so mother cool. was a nurse. They had four kids. We didn't have a lot of money. And my father went and mm-hmm. bought 20 gallons of grape juice. And he was going to make like wow. red wine. It was the first time I saw my father cry because he spilled, oh, I think, 10 no. gallons of grape juice in the back of his white Grand <gasps> Wagoneer. And I remember him no. pulling up the driveway and seeing and seeing grape juice just pouring out of the back of the car. Very and it probably bad. cost oh, him no. probably cost him three hundred bucks. Uh, I'll never forget that. Wash, right? Our parents worked their yeah, asses that's, off. That's yeah, they did. They really did. Seriously, we didn't have. I mean, especially I you. I mean, you're really a single mom, three kids. That's not an easy life. Yep. Oh no, no. And not to be by a chef. Any and to be a chef and to still make a homemade dinner yeah. every night, every night. So hats off to my mom for sure. You know, she still works in the food industry right now. She is working with a former coworker on a food truck called the Van Pelt Hot Dog Company. Oh, that's that's so pretty cool. well known in the Lehigh Valley. Yeah, they, they make amazing artisan hot dogs and sides. I think it's mostly like really? loaded tater tots. So, yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome. And where is it? The, so they're mobile. So They just go. I mean, is it in Allentown? Yeah, yeah. Lehigh Valley area. I know they're going to be at Music Fest. So, so I will definitely come and support them, even though I think the last time I ate a hot dog, maybe I was in third grade, like at a bowling alley party, and they had been boiled. So it's probably why it's my last time I ever ate a hot dog. Right. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I know that. I know that. And it's so funny to watch now. I mean, even I was in Denver a couple months ago and there's a great dude out there. Um, I think his name is the rocket man or rocket dog, something like that. But all he does is badass hot dogs, like totally awesome hot dogs, right? like, and like elk and moo- And I know you're a vegetarian. I apologize. But look, we eat meat. No, no, and- no apologies. No. <laughs> So, but hold, I want to, I want to kind of go back. Okay. So, and this is the, sorry, I keep getting sidetracked. No, getting I do. That's because you know? I'm leading you into that sidetrack. So I'm actually. Hey, you all, and, and I'm off. like, I have a chef on the phone. I just want to talk about food, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so okay. Cool. So, so, so you've decided that you're not going to teach anymore. You're going to, you're going to stay home a little bit more. And now you're involved in pageants. Mm-hmm. And like, where do you, where do you start? Is there a website? Like, how do I become, uh, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. a, I mean, what do I do? And in this day and age, like, you know, with all the, right. with, with the, the, the body shaming and with everything mm-hmm. that goes on mm-hmm. with, you know, glorifying, you know, uh, I, I mean, beauty and women in the whole nine yards, what, what brought right. you to that point? So I think, you know, Social media is such an amazing thing because it really allows you to get to know people in, in the best way that you can in a very quick manner. So, you know, all I had to do was look up past title holders, including Valerie, 
just to get an idea of what all of this was about. And what I saw were women who were really putting themselves out there, being involved in their community, finding something that they really stand for and being able to speak about it and bring a message. So because I wasn't working with students anymore, I knew I wanted to find my way back into the classroom. I just wasn't sure how that would be. So I was on a plane back from Mexico and I was half asleep. And all of a sudden I sat straight up and I had this idea. I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. And in Allentown, 97% of our students are considered low income. And we only have about a 67% graduation rate, which is very low. 67? 67. 67. Yep. And a lot of students who do graduate, I found, are not pursuing anything after high school that involves money for just that, financial reasons. Maybe somebody wants to go to culinary school. Maybe someone wants to go to beauty school or four-year college or two-year college. But all of those things cost money. So I decided to start a scholarship fund for graduates of the two high schools in my town. So I went through the process of starting a 501c3, did a lot of brainstorming with my husband, who has just been my number one support person in all of this. And we started this scholarship called Crowns for Kids. And I thought to myself, I would love to have this funded to like $20,000 by next year and really give someone a great opportunity. But where are we going to come up with all this money? And I started thinking about different charity events that I've seen going on in my town. And really popular right now is this notion of dine and donate, where people can go to a restaurant, order food and drinks just as they would, socialize a little bit, and the restaurant would kick back between 10 and 20% of the total checks from that night towards the scholarship fund. Great way to get people out. Great way to support a cause. You know, most people don't want to go out to like a $300 plate charity dinner. It's a different environment. It's, it's a different feel. Like, I really wanted to just get people together. And if we're going to fund this scholarship, I wanted it to be like a community effort and meet really great people along the way, you know, make some memories, make some connections. So we had our first event back in May at a local restaurant, and it was so much fun. It was such a great turnout. The restaurant kicked back a check to us for about $600. We also wow. did a raffle. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was incredible. That's and awesome. I went around kind of begging community businesses to donate gift cards or goods for a raffle. And I wasn't sure how it would go. Well, it turns out in two hours, we sold about $800 worth of raffle tickets and nobody wow. bought more than $20 worth. So that meant Jeez. there were so many people who were willing to support, you know, not just throw us a hundred dollars. I'm saying $20 as the maximum donation by way of raffle tickets. So there were so many people who supported this. So to me, it was a huge success. Now, every month on the calendar, we have another event like that, and it's so, so exciting. So, started this scholarship and then thought about for, after I won Pennsylvania, 
you know, that I largely considered my work for my county and my state. But if I was going to really be a contender for the title of Mrs. America, what would I do on a national level? And I, I had to think very hard about that. Yeah. So Crowns for Kids is a scholarship, but it's also a foundation. So the other half of all the money we collect is put into the foundation where we can use that money towards resources when I go to visit schools. So if I were to win this in America, I have a whole plan and hopefully this can happen <laughs> to visit the five most underfunded schools in America and bring a message of promoting a healthy lifestyle. So how you eat, how active you are, the choices you make regarding drugs and alcohol, because Pennsylvania leads um, in the mortality rate in opioid overdoses out of the entire country. In raw data, we have the most deaths. So something really needs to be said about that. It's, uh, it's, 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 that's a long winded version. No, but that's, I mean, look, (laughs) you know, you, you nailed on a couple of things and, and the fact, you know, I mean, when, I mean, you're ending up with opioid that's alone and Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that the rate was that higher, that it was the highest in, in Pennsylvania. I just had no raw data. Yep. I mean, that's absolutely, I mean, and I've traveled, I travel all over the country, you know, and I've seen some, I mean, I was just out in Washington state where there's, there's signs and it literally says like, you know, it's, it's the grim reaper on a billboard. And he says, it says, you know, try meth, meet me. Like, and it, and it's all over the place out there. That's what's crazy. And, and, you know, I know a lot has been changed with, with cannabis and all that. And they're now finding, mm-hmm. you know, uh, easier ways to, to detox and go through, you know, opioids and whatnot because of it. But I don't know. I think there needs to be, we can talk about what, what needs to be done all day long. Somebody needs to start taking yeah, action. Yeah, indeed. That's Absolutely. Because it's, it's really what it's doing is it's taking our future generation from us. So they say right. it's about 175 people who overdose every day. So that's like an entire plane and then some crashing every day. And we don't really hear anything about it. And it's not a certain age group. Even it's, it's not a demographic. It's, it's everybody. It's everybody. Everybody. But we ban straws. So we've got that going, but we ban straws, which I think is a really, it's a really, really cool thing. You know, it's one of those things where you're used to getting a straw with your drink. But if it, yeah. if you go six months going out to eat and you don't get one, eventually it yeah you're not even going to think about it anymore. I have a barbecue spot in Philly, and when I when I had bought it, <clears throat> everything was plastic, everything was glass, and there were straws. And I I look, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say that I'm like this conservationist. I'm not trying to save the world. <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of straws. I mean, I'll just, you know, I'll just put it out there. It's, it's just, I'm just not a fan of them. So I don't use them and, and paper straws and all that paper straws suck, but it's, yeah, it's just yeah, try, not, like kind of try not using a straw. It's an automatic yeah. for what, you know, people come in and, and they sit down and I give them a beverage and they say, well, do you have a straw? No, I'm sorry. I don't have straws. Mm-hmm. And I'm serving it to what you in you a do? paper cup. You live, you live. You, you drink. Exactly. You drink. <laughs> You just put that little thing you right up to your mouth. Drink. Yeah, put it right up to your mouth. That's I mean, right. all of my all of my cups are paper. Same we we thing. hand logo every single cup. The only thing I do use is I Get do out. use styrofoam. 
Yeah. Every cup gets logoed. Uh-huh. Every single paper bag that we have that we serve in gets, gets hand logoed. We do, my staff that does it so all. Cool. They'll sit there and just stamp all day long. Stamp, stamp, stamp. Get and out. it's, and it's a less expensive way to go. Plus it's paper. It's paper. Right. Right. You know, I mean, it's unfortunately amazing. I have to use styrofoam for my to go stuff. I wish I could find a sturdy product to be able to do that, but yeah, it's just not day. out there. Someday, but I mean, I'm serving barbecue, you okay. know, so like my pulled pork isn't going to oh, hold up yeah, yeah, yeah. in a corrugated paper no. container. It's just no, not going to happen. No, and then you'll have another story like, you know, your your old car just doused in barbecue and nobody wants right. that, right? Exactly, Someone exactly. So, so, okay, so <laughs> you're, so you're now, so now you're doing, you want, you win Miss Pen, Mrs. Pennsylvania and which yeah. I think is really kind of cool because I think that compare not not that there's anything wrong with Miss America or Miss Pennsylvania, but I think that the experiences that a Mrs. Pennsylvania would have mm-hmm. would really be so completely different. And I think that the platform for a Mrs. Pennsylvania, somebody who's married, who has children, as opposed to a single yeah. woman. And again, no, I'm not trying to to, to diminish one from the other. But I think sure, that the experiences sure. and the platforms would be so completely different. Yes, yes. That to I mean, me, it's so much more We're kind of at a different part of life. You know, I'm 37 yeah. years old. The way that I think now versus when I was 21 is so, so different. So it's just been, it's been the best experience. My whole life now, has changed over the past course of this year. Now, what are your responsibilities that you have to have as being Mrs. Pennsylvania? So we're required to make four appearances in our community or in the state per month. So that could mean hosting your own event, um, going to a charity event, promoting it on social media, having an interview with a chef online. Ha ha. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so cool. So, a minimum of four times. Usually I hit about 20 a month because um, I've really made this my full-time gig. And I'm so focused on the possibility of winning a national title, of being a complete newbie, walking a national yeah. stage, and the possibility of, of walking away with, with that opportunity you know, the, the yeah. pageant was first started in 1938. And back then, women were judged on their sewing abilities, homemaking <laughs> abilities. Could they cook? You know, how did they present themselves in a swimsuit? So the pendulum is, has really shifted, as it always does as time passes. Right. So I'm just so excited to meet 51 other women who are accomplished, well-spoken, beautiful on the inside and out. And, you know, I'll have an entire week with them in Las Vegas, which is where the pageant's held, uh, before nice. the final night. So we're there for a week together. God, and Vegas. In Vegas. And they put well, us let, up Let me know where you want to go. Let me know where you want to go. Oh, boy. Now, you don't well, want to go there with other contestants. Large- so we're largely so like kind of sequestered for the week. Our day is really accounted for with rehearsals and, and different things like that. Um, but the most interesting thing to me is we get randomly assigned a roommate. So we'll, we will be living God. with another contestant. 
for the entire week, sharing a very small space. So, oh my God. I, you know, the last now, what they should that do. That was part of my life was in college. Yeah, but I think that competition <laughs> should, should actually, they should actually interview your roommate. And be like, all right, tell oh, us what's really yeah. going on. You know, I mean, well, think about it. When you live that with- week, <laughs> yeah, they're really, they're kind of watching every move we make. Like, are you genuinely a nice person? Are you treating right. people with respect? Like, do you walk around with your nose in the air? People are going to notice these things. And if they're going to choose a woman who is basically, you know, representing and supporting women in America and being relatable and being an inspiration, they're going to really make sure they choose the right person. And if, yeah. you know, your character shows that you're anything but kind, humble, empathetic, they're not going to pick you. Right. For sure. Um, I, I yeah, so what... totally new thing I'm walking into. Totally new experience. I mean... As I sit here and I was saying before, like the difference between a Miss America and a Mrs. America, I would, I, I I could, I see this like, especially with, with a Mrs. America situation. I just see that like a totally different Mm -hmm. conversation. Uh, You know, you, you, we've all been kind of given this idea of pageants with, you know, pageant babies and pageant moms and the cattiness (laughs) and everything else. I I don't, and, and I may be just completely blinded and not really have a true vision, but I don't see like the cattiness going on in a Mrs. America situation. Yeah. Like I see it more as I an empowerment. Either, but who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I guess you've never, you wouldn't know. That's right. You're, this is your, I wouldn't know. But I, I mean, have no idea. No idea. Yeah. Now, how many Crazy. people did you, did you, I don't know. What do you say? I mean, you're a competitive person as well because we tr- you do triathlons very, very much on a world level. So, yeah, so very much. how many, how many people did you beat out in Pennsylvania? So when you apply to compete for your state, it's a write-in. So you kind of write a biography about yourself. You submit some photos and there's a selection process on like a, like a state level who they will pick to, move on to states. So there were 11 other girls. Not every county is represented. You know, not, not a woman from every county doesn't choose to do this, you know, because it's really a choice. It really becomes a huge part of your life. It's a big commitment. So the misses competition, you know, women who have decided that this is something they really want to take up. Usually there's not a representative from every county because maybe they have young children. Maybe they have a job that takes up all their bandwidth. So not every county is represented. But so there are 11 other girls and it was a great experience. I've met friends that I know I'll keep for the rest of my life for sure. That's awesome. I didn't, I I would assume that there would be somebody from like every county that would end up. No, no. And in most states, that's really not the case. In some states where pageantry is really popular, like Texas, California, then there's like 50 plus women. So how does heavy hitters. So how does all of this work with you and your husband traveling, you doing pageants, (laughs) you doing four appearances a month, you having a platform Mm -hmm. And you having three children. Yes, and training for a 
and training for Ironman triathlons. Yeah, which is hours and hours a week. So sure, I'm the kind of person who has, you know, I'd like to say that I have a boundless energy and I've made it work for myself. Um, And the way that I balance, you know, my marriage and my kids is we're all involved in this endeavor together. And it's been so fantastic. At first, I'm like, how am I going to make this work? But I take my kids to almost all of my appearances. And they've gained so many experiences. It's it's been so valuable. And I think the the best example, more than school. And I'm someone who is involved in experiential learning. So you can talk to kids. You can read to them. You can make them do assignments, but when you involve them in learning through experiences, those are things that they will never, ever forget. So the end of the month, every month, there's a foundation in Pennsylvania who sets up like a mobile shop, like a kitchen and a clothing room. And they're there to help the area's homeless veterans. And unfortunately, there's a lot of them. And so we come out and we set up these things and people just line up and my kids have helped out in the food area where, you know, we'll serve them lunch and hot dogs, like picnic food over the summer, um, something really warm over the winter. They do it rain or shine. If the last Sunday of the month happens to be Christmas, they're still there. And, you know, unfortunately or unfortunately, there's always a good turnout of these, vets on the street who can come there and get a hot meal, get a new pair of shoes, you know, get a warm jacket. And my kids have had conversations with these men and women and haven't looked at them as someone that you see, you know, as you're driving by in your car, sitting and asking for change. They've had to have real conversations with them and they know they see them as people not right. just somebody who, who you know, you pass by and, and you try not to look at. So that's been really, really valuable for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, so that's the way that you, and exposure. You, involve, you, you involve your family. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to get my girls involved in as much as I do. They, unfortunately, you know, they're, my oldest was going through high school and she, and both of my girls row. So the, you know, it's not like wow. they're flying to, they're not flying to Baton Rouge with me you know, when I have an appearance, uh, you know, to come and hang out in Baton Rouge, like they have, they've got responsibilities at home, but, right. but our summers older, right? are my girl. Yeah. My girls are older, but, but our, yeah. I mean, it's all filled with as much experience as possible. You know, I mean, they're no, they're no stranger yeah. to a, you know, a five hour drive yeah. to go up North or they're no, they're no stranger to a 10 hour drive to the outer banks to go on vacation. You know, my girls are used to that. My girls started, I used to lie to TSA. I hate to tell you and t- say that my daughter was 16 when she was 15. Because um, I'm frugal. I didn't, you know, my daughter, she's a, she's, a, she's a smart kid. She knows how to walk through an airport. And she knows how to use a cell phone. So here's hey, a plane. And you're flying to California. You're going to be in the same seat for six hours straight. There's nowhere to get lost on a plane. You know, exactly, and, exactly. and somebody's going to, you know, my brother's meeting at the other end, uh, you know, they're walking through, okay, here's where you are right now. I mean, it, so my girls have, have had a lot of, 
of growth experiences through stuff like that. And that only happens with travel. I'm sorry. It, it's yeah. Yeah. I mean, for somebody who flies as much as you do, as much as your husband does, you have seen things Mm -hmm. that 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 most of the world have never seen before. Yeah, I consider myself extremely lucky, extremely lucky. Exactly. I feel the same way I do. Yeah. I mean, I just got back from Washington State a week and a half ago where I rode 1200 miles through the Cascade mountains and, and, you know, through dry falls, which is a geological wonder of the world and the grand Cooley dam and all of its greatness and glory that leads up to hitting that one point of the dam. And it's like, and I'm driving along having these spiritual moments and I'm thinking there are people that will never, ever see stuff like this. Like the sunset hitting a wall. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that becomes that forever changes you. It it becomes a part of you. Yeah. That's amazing. Tell that me, where spend, were you again? So I was so I, every year I do this awesome event out in Spokane, Washington called Crave Northwest. Okay. And it's just a really cool okay. food festival put on by a really cool group of people and there's uh, and the food the level of food that happens in Spokane, Washington is really pretty amazing. And there's great chefs and everybody goes above and beyond. There's three nights. They do a seafood night. They do my favorite event, which is called fire and or smoke and fire. You know, and I'm cooking, I'm doing these crazy brined chicken tacos over 900 degree coals that we're charring. And we do like six different components to them. And they're really, really neat events. So part of my deal for the event is that I have, I work very closely with the dealership called Lone Wolf Harley-Davidson. So I get, I, I, I work with them and I get two Harleys. So I bring somebody with me every year and that person is a friend of mine. Uh, This year it was a very good friend of mine. Her name is Tori Lebecki. She is uh, a retired aerialist for Cirque du Soleil. Um, and she's had kind of a tough year and I thought Mm. nobody at this point needs this more than her. And, you know, even, you know, I mean, if I'm dating somebody, they don't understand. They're like, why aren't you bringing me with you? And I'm like, this is my church. This is my <laughs> moment of, of 12 to 1500 miles of pure brain time, you oh know, of, God. of reflection and seeing really cool stuff. And, and it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's just, a, and, and to me, it's the great, one of the greatest parts of my year. I go on vacation with my girls the whole week before, and then I fly out to Spokane, Washington. I get to cook, I get to experience, and I get to meet just amazing people along the way. And that's what travel is. And you get to ride. How cool is that? And I get to ride. And I, I, I'll tell you what, and one you of my favorite ride. areas is riding up in through Allentown. The whole section of Northeastern Pennsylvania, town. like going up in there. Come, oh, come on. Are you kidding me with Jim Thorpe? Jim Thorpe is okay, absolutely okay. stunning. Coming in and out of there between Valid. the bridges, Valid. back roads. Exactly. There's some yes. great riding. Oh Pennsylvania. Yeah. Huge fan. Agree. You know, we have, I don't have any experience with, motorcycles but my husband and I are both road cyclists so right. you know I I get it about the riding and the brain time and we just came back two days ago from uh, Whistler British Columbia where we were doing a triathlon there and just riding up in the mountains there yeah so beautiful I so you know the air is just different there it's a whole different world. That whole left side of the country that's up up on the top. Yeah. People have the the, the, the sheer 
beauty and 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 majestical uh, landscape. I mean, I I was on a road. I'm not a speed demon. I was doing 100 miles an hour for 40 miles. There was not, and I was on a I was on a straight road. It wasn't like I'm a speed demon because I'm not. That's just not who I am. And I saw two side streets. Like wow. it's all pure farmland. It's straight. That's through open territory. Wow. Open territory of undulating hills that go up and down in a nice gentle pace. And you hit one and you see a peak and then you look down and you just kind of smile and have to laugh because you're seeing another 20 miles ahead of you that is sheer straight. That goes straight through oh the state gosh. of Washington. I mean, and it's like And that's that's really great. Like for a motorcyclist, you really want that. That's that's like right. that's it. That's for it. you guys, not so cool. much. But you know, uh, that's the same us, thing. I mean, that's, that's a lot of uh, torture, really. <laughs> <laughs> now, how many miles? So, Actually, you so know, what? Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. Go you, ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, what? So, what level of Ironman are you? I mean, how many? How much are you running? How much are you swimming? And how much are you riding? And, and is there a? So, is what is the standard for Ironman to be considered an Ironman? Ah, so to Iron be person. Are we going to change it to Iron Man, person? You know, I hear, I overhear so many conversations. Like, why isn't it Iron Woman? Well, Iron Man is the name of the brand, is the name of the racing brand. It's the name of the distance. So right. it, it will forever and always be Iron Man. And when my husband and I completed our first Iron Man, which is 140.6 miles, so it's, a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then a 26.2 mile run continuous without a break, except for when you switch from one sport to the other. So that was the longest day of my life, about 15 and a half hours, much harder than childbirth or anything I've ever done. But the moment when you approach that finish line and the culmination of such a long day and so much like mental struggle and then victory and physical struggle and then victory. When you approach that finish line and you see the lights and you hear the announcer and you hear the people cheering, I would do it all over again just for those moments because they announce your name, you know, Rebecca West from Pennsylvania, you are an Ironman and you train wow. for a year to just hear those words. And for some reason, they mean so much because sure. you've just completed like one of the longest endurance events known. So it's a huge accomplishment. It's something I never thought I could do. Growing up, I was never athletic. I wasn't involved in any sports. This is something I've come to much later in life. So right. to be considered an Ironman, it's you complete the 140.6. Now, they also wow. started a half distance, which is what we did last weekend. So it's right. all of that, but cut in half. So it's 70.3 70 miles. Still considerable. Definitely not a walk in the park. And sure. depending on the course, you know, the course <clears throat> this past weekend was Whistler, British Columbia. It was tough because that's a lot of technical terrain out there, like hills and, oh, man. It was the hardest race I've ever done. Hardest race I've ever done. So, you know, the training that you put into that is what you will get out of it. 
So if you only right. train like five hours a week and you're just thinking you'll be okay, it will smack you in the face because right. you can't, you cannot cheat the grind. It knows no. what I you mean, put that's in. Training. It will yeah. only give you what you put in. And if not, yeah. you are going to be a very humbled and tired person by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I have For a sure. good friend of mine. His For name sure. is Rick Steele. And Rick is, if you get a chance, nice follow name. him on Instagram. Oh, I know. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Wow. Uh, yeah. Super hardcore. And, yeah, and when I first met him, he's, oh, he's an epic individual. Totally like across the board. And, and, you know, it's funny. I was thinking a couple of months ago, like I don't get to talk to Rick much more and we don't really have a lot of communication and he's hard to get in touch with. And, and, and one of the main reasons is because he's changed his entire life around to focus on family. And one of my greatest things, the things that I love what he does is he dates his wife every week and they make a huge deal about it. And he literally, they go out yeah. they go the, and it's not grandiose. Sometimes it's just going to a movie, but it's them together Yay. and they're doing what they're doing. But one of the, the cool parts about it is that he's, he's been training for all of these extreme competitions that he's been doing. Ironman, the whole nine yards. He was just in London, I guess, two weeks ago, three weeks ago and did a huge race in London. Uh, but if you get a chance, follow him. His oh name's God. Rick Steele and he's, he's a really dynamic individual. Um, Oh my and, gosh. Uh, and that he's is a so good friend. Amazing. And I miss him. I don't, you know, because look, he's he's made, you know, I miss him. I'm going to call him as soon as I hang up with you. I'm just letting you know. Yeah, so, give him give him a call. call the him. thing is, if call he's him. training for endurance events, you probably wouldn't hear much from him anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and that's what, <laughs> and at I, first <laughs> I was kind of like, I took it a little personally. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this guy's not, you know, he's not replying back to yeah, me. And then I'm yeah. like, wait, you know, he just, and then I see a picture of him and he's like, you know, just rode 106 miles today. Feeling great. Yep, and I'm like, that's oh, why. Oh, that's why. And then you that's get home why, and you can't you know, lift your arms up. Oh, yeah. And you're done. Your rest of your day is shot. You know, your kids are jumping all over you and you're like, just give me 30 minutes. You know, and I think the whole endurance training really works out for my marriage because we're both involved in it. And often right. I think, oh, my gosh if one of us was not doing this and like I had to put up with, or he had to put up with um, me, you know, training like 15 hours a week, eventually you're kind of like, Hey, you know, what, what, what happened to us? Like all of your time is spent on your bike or running or swimming. So that's, it's great that he's, you know, dating his wife because he recognizes that she needs that time with him. It's really important. And now she started to do it as well. You know, and now she's yeah. starting to do some and stuff and she's training and she's going into, she's doing oh, a lot yeah. of Spartan and she's doing hell on the hills this week. And like, so, so she's now gotten into it as well. And it's just really neat to watch. I mean, it's, it's a kind of a cool thing because it's, look, we can all make it to a gym. Everybody can make it to a gym. Yeah. A lot of us choose not to, yes, a lot, can. everybody can make it to a gym during the day. You're making such a, such a, a mental, physical decision to train for something the, like this. I mean, that's massive. Plus to be Miss Pennsylvania, Mrs. I'm sorry, Mrs. Pennsylvania, plus to be a mom, <laughs> plus to be a wife, plus to have platforms and businesses. It's not easy. And you deserve no, to be applauded no. for that. And that's what I have to say about that. Hey man, it's not easy, but this, you know, this is my best possible life. I'm so grateful. I've never felt 
happier or more or more fulfilled. So I consider myself extremely lucky, you know, to have a husband who supports all of my, you know, wildest dreams and notions and things that I want to do. And, and when I set out to do things that I want to do, it's because I know that I can accomplish them. To me, failing or quitting or, you know, not finishing something is never, ever, ever an option for me. Never, ever. So next year, we're going to, we're climbing Kilimanjaro together in Africa. And yeah, and in preparation for that, this December, we're climbing Mount Washington. So something else that I have like no experience. My husband was a, a mountain guide for many years, so he knows what he's doing. But I'm not really like the outdoorsy, um, you know, climb a mountain for six days straight with like zero oxygen. Not my thing, but... I'm so ready well, to do it mentally that I know if you throw your heart into something mentally that physically your body will just follow. Yeah. Well, I have a friend of mine. His name's Adam keys and you should follow him as well. And the name of his, I feel uh, like I know that name should Adam is from Maryland. He is a pretty awesome individual. He's a wounded warrior. He, uh, um, uh, he's a triple amputee of both legs and an arm in an IED um, explosion wow. in Afghanistan where he lost the four other oh guys gosh. that were in the Humvee with him. And he climbed Kilimanjaro a couple months ago on 11 inch prosthetics. Okay. I've definitely heard of him. That is just, yeah. that's out of this and world. Then, out of this and then world. when he got back, when he got back, he hand cycled the New York city marathon oh. like two weeks later. And then Get he did, out. I believe Boston marathon right after that. So, Oh my God. So when you're, you know, so, there's, there's a lot, you know, I mean, I, I, there's a lot to be said about all that. There's a sh- wow. and he's a stand up comedian as well. Just so you know. Um, and he's got a sense of humor and he's got a sense of humor. Yeah. So, so wow. I mean, that's, you know, I mean it all, it's exactly what it is. It comes down to the mind, you know, and he says all the time, he was yeah. on the show as well, actually twice. And he says all the time, he's like, uh, you know, I mean, my drive comes from the fact that it's my responsibility to keep the honor of the other guys that were in the Humvee alive with me. You know, and to wow. prove that that I can do absolutely anything. And that's what he does is he does anything yeah. he wants. And I asked him because he was six foot four prior to the explosion and he's four foot 11 now. Mm. And, and, you wow. know, I said, why on the 11 wow. inch and, you know, all that stuff. And he, he's, he's really, he's a, a, a pretty dynamic individual. I think that you'd like his story. Plus it's oh a little gosh. bit more motivation, not that you need it, but it's a little bit more motivation mm-hmm. for what it is that you're so that's pretty My cool. Gosh, I just I want to know. I hope that he documented his summit of Kilimanjaro because I I would really love to to delve into that. I can't. Well, why don't I? Why don't I just put you guys in contact? And you can have a conversation with him. Yeah. Such an. I mean, if you want, I'd love to do it. I, I, we're all connectors, and I believe that we don't connect enough because I feel that the average mm-hmm. human being is trying to get something out of a connection. Whereas my, what mm-hmm. I get out of it is I love the fact that I introduced two friends at that point. So I'll introduce you to Adam. He's yeah. a really great guy. He's super open, oh and my he gosh, loves please. to talk about his journey. Yeah, absolutely. So, Please. That is incredible. I can't – well, I'll just have to get to know him and find out exactly how – how he did that. I mean, the first time that I met him, we were at a bar in DC or in Annapolis mm-hmm. and it was for a charity event. Oh, a friend I of mine. Oh my, oh my God. So do I. 
a friend of mine lives down yeah, there. Yeah. She's born and raised down there. And um, she has cystic fibrosis. She's 43 now, I guess. Her and her husband have been together since like middle school. Uh, they have two kids together, twins that were surrogate of her sisters. And Adam uh, was at this event raising money for cystic fibrosis. It's the coolest story ever because mm. they're the greatest couple ever. And Adam was there and I did a crazy show on Spike TV called Bar Rescue. And he was a huge fan of the show. Oh my gosh. One of my favorite shows ever. ever. <laughs> Well, I left a while For ago. Real. A new show For real. August. So, um, okay. but, but like I look over and my, and, and Jen's father said, Hey, I'd really like to introduce you to somebody. So I, I meet this gentleman and I walk over and it's a guy in a wheelchair with a bottle of Budweiser in his good hand <laughs> and a hook on the other hand. And I just like, what? like, and you know, there's a moment as a, as a person who has all of his limbs where you're like, well, what the, what do I do? And I, and it literally, I just reached out and I shook his hook and, and we had an amazing conversation and it was a little bit odd at that moment, but we started to talk and he started to tell me about his story. And then we, and it was just like, like, I just, I, this dude was just such an awesome inspiration, you know? Wow. And then I, you know, and so there's mornings where I wake up and I have shitty mornings and I'm tired and my body hurts from flying and traveling and all that shit. And I'm like, fucking man, that guy climbed Mount Kilimanjaro on prosthetic legs. That's right. That's People like that put so much in perspective for others. Yeah. You know, (laughs) like how bad, how much can it hurt? How bad can it be for me when here's this guy doing all these amazing things? You know, sure. I've got got plantar fasciitis. Oh, sorry. Right. Right. Can't (laughs) do it. My my feet kind of hurt. In the, Whew, the starting little... line of almost every race, they always, um, the para-athletes, so people in the hand cycles or people who run with right. uh, only one leg or with a prosthetic, they always let them start first. And even at world championships, it was one of, those are just the coolest moments. And those people yeah. get, deservedly so, the most thunderous applause and kind of... I get tears in my eyes for anything like a corny commercial <laughs> or finish line, starting line, right. whatever. But I always feel my face turning kind of hot in those moments because, you know, it's sports really bring people together. Physical endeavors bring people together. And I've always said there's no place like a finish line at the end of a long race. The energy is just, electric and they announce like this person finishing 10 time iron man has overcome oh cancer you know had some this week and they said that this woman has ms and just did a full iron man how is that even possible sure yeah how's that even possible uh, but i have a friend who has ms who just who had stem cell transplants and she's wow. completely her everything's changed for her every single thing changed wow. for her yeah she was amazing amazing um what was yeah, your, I and I, I, we've, we've got to get going soon because you probably have to go train or take care of a child or fix the world in a <laughs> pretty awesome way. But I think I'll do it what, all at the same time. My son and I are going to ride bikes together. <laughs> yeah. That's what we'll do what the rest your, of the day. When you look back at prior to getting involved in all of this, what was your, what was your life like? What was your drive at that point? 
before well, I doing think all being that. a teacher before doing before getting involved in pageantry. So it was and the, my and sole the Iron focus was and Iron Man. So before Iron Man too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't even, I barely remember what life was like. I was, you know, full-time teacher commuting 10 hours a week, had a classroom of 16 kids plus my own kids. Um, just trying to find a way to keep my energy levels up during the day and started teaching spin classes three times a week at 5:45 AM. Then I picked up a 5:30 PM spin class. So I was, Spinning in the morning, teaching all day, spinning in the evening, coming home, packing my bag for the next day and going to sleep. That was literally every day. So life has changed a lot. So my husband, um, we haven't always been together. We were together in middle school and high school. We split up. Both of us married and had kids with other people. Both of wow. us are divorced. Yeah, when we met back up three years ago and hadn't seen each other in 20 years, and we were engaged wow. like two months later. So life so, has changed. Sure. Life has changed Every, so, so much. I see, and that's the coolest part. Yeah. I, and I think that, you know, we all have an opportunity to make that, that, that turn all the time. There's a turn. Mm -hmm. There's a decision in the morning when you wake up where you yeah. can say, no, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do today. And, and this is, and you can make that turn any day you can fall off. You can make the wrong turn sometimes, but you can make that turn. And, and, yeah. you know, I mean, my, look, it's not easy to, to do what you do to travel, to, to train, to raise, to run business mm -hmm. and, and do all of that. And it's, I mean, it's not an easy world, but like, I look at stuff that I did prior to getting involved in what, what it is that I do. And that's run multiple businesses and restaurants and, and, and appearance and, and, and speak and podcast and TV and, 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 you know, I don't make it to the gym as much as I should. I'll be dead honest with you, but I couldn't imagine <laughs> anything else. And then at the end of the day, yeah. I come home like I did last night after a really, you know, a long night at the restaurant and I sit down and my 18 year old's just talking. She just wants to bullshit. She just wants to yeah. talk. You have to go to my Instagram and watch these, my two daughters and their best I'm friend. I'm going to. <laughs> I was crying laughing. They're smacking the shit out of each other. And oh they love each God. other. It's not like, like it's a riot to watch them. It's pretty funny. So, all right, Rebecca, That's do me amazing. a favor. That's amazing. They're super cool kids. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's all about experience and, and it's about exposing your kids and not hiding them from everything that's out there. They're going to fall. They're going to get a scab. They're yes. going to break a bone. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, it's all going to be there. You can't bubble wrap them no, and hide cannot. them from everything. No, you cannot. You know, my girls have Agreed. seen so much, so much diversity, so much, um, so many different experiences and cultures and that it's kind of awesome. You know, I mean, it's just kind yeah. of cool because as they get older, like I look it at my is. 18 year old and I listen to her speak and she's a smart kid. She's got, she knows, yeah. she knows. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, be aware of your surroundings. And she's like, dad, I know this. And I'm like, I I'm your dad. That's what I do. I have to say it, you know, especially in this day and age. So talk to your kids, and kids people so and don't coddle. For real. Don't coddle them for sure. I mean, when I was a kindergarten teacher, if kids were climbing a tree in the forest in our playground, I would let them climb a tree as high as they wanted to, but I would never help them get down. And they could be staring down at me in desperation, like, 
Miss West, help me down. I'd say, if you can get up there, you can get down. And if I help you down, you have a greater risk of falling because I'm putting your feet in positions that, you know, your body doesn't feel like that's where your feet should be to get down. And 10 times out of 10, they come down unscathed. So well, resili- resiliency is important. Resiliency. It's, I watch employees. I watch people. I watch the interaction of, uh, and I'm not an old man who's going to talk about a younger generation. That's not what I want to do. But, <laughs> but the attention to detail is so lacking in so many mm. areas. It's like last night I have oh, a kid man. who works for me. He's a great kid. He goes to work every day. He works hard. He does a great job. And we blew a fuse last night. And I said downstairs in the in the in the the fuse box, bottom left hand side. And he goes down and he comes back up. Literally thirty seconds later, he's like, "I didn't see any that were tripped." Okay. Well, mm. it it obviously tripped because there's no power in the circuit. That's the only fuse box that we have in the entire restaurant. So did you boy look or did you girl look? And that's what I say all the time. Did you boy look? Do me a favor and go and girl look. And he goes downstairs and he comes back up a minute later. He's like, got it, found it. And I'm like, oh my God. Where, where, what, I had a whole rant a couple of weeks ago about, about the, the importance of, of having women in restaurants. Because the attention to detail yeah. is so much. And, and look, there's a lot of guys out there that do an amazing job and they're on point and they're on top of it. And, and that's great. But it was just a moment where I looked around and I'm like, I had four guys in a restaurant, three of whom are under the age of 25 who can't oh, find where the napkins are because they didn't look all the way left. You know, or the fact that the lights weren't on at seven o'clock or the music wasn't at the right time. Like, come on, everybody. How hard is this? So I don't know where I'm going. Oh, my gosh. So, all right, Rebecca, do me a favor. Interesting. How do we follow you and your awesome journey? Okay. So uh, social media, definitely the best way. So on Instagram, it's at Rebecca Runs Happy 35. Um, I have a pageant page, which is. Mrs. Pennsylvania America 2019 with underscores between every word. That's on Instagram. And then on Facebook, it's just Rebecca West Hensinger. And I post a lot. You know, that's to me, that's the way to reach people and get people together today. So I will see you on there. Are you on Twitter? I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. I really should be, but I just can't. I like to delve into things more. Um, right. And on Twitter, I just, I feel a little restrained. You know? Yeah, I, I see. I mean, look, Twitter for me is completely wide open because I say more mm. of what I really think and feel on Twitter than I do anywhere else. But that's just me. So okay. That's, I, may have to, I, can, I may have to look back into it. Well, it's more of a, it's more of a, I, I, I want to say adult. I don't mean adult in, in a negative way. I mean, an adult in a positive way. There's more of a conversation okay. that happens there. You know, Facebook is such a negative space for me. I find that, that on my personal page, I've, I've removed so many people because yeah. I, I honestly, I just don't care about your negativity and I don't want to hear about it. So I remove. Agree. Them. Agree. <clears throat> 
Yep. My, my chef page, my professional page is a blast. I have a field day with that. I love the people that follow that. I engage with them on Facebook more than I do anywhere else. Instagram is a lot of fun. It says, hey, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Twitter is right. let's talk about right. what I'm doing. That's what I find with Twitter. Interesting. Facebook is let's bitch about what I'm doing. Instagram is look at yeah, what basically. I'm doing. And Twitter is let's discuss what I'm doing. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. Interesting. So. Thank you for that. Well, that's what I got. You're very welcome. So, all right. Uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for hanging out with us for uh, the last hour yeah, and a half. Yeah, so great talking to you. So great talking and, to you. You know, I've seen you on TV. I was really excited to have the chance to get to talk to you. Uh, so glad we did. Well, when you come to Philly, you have to let me know. Uh, absolutely. I want to connect you with Adam Keys. I want you to yes. meet all these great people. And, uh, and, and I'm, when I'm in Allentown, I'd love to come up or I'd love to, you know, ha- bring your yes. husband. Let's have a drink at, at Greenhouse. Um, they're going to do yes. a premiere for the show. I think you should go to that premiere and maybe I'll meet you there if I'm home. Very, very cool. Please let me know. That would be awesome. I will. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. What a pleasure. It was good talking to you. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Rebecca. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. So, boys and girls, that is uh, Rebecca. Pretty uh, pretty amazing individual um, uh, with what she does. I mean, look, she made a decision a bunch of years ago, and we keep seeing this theme over and over and over again of – People that are making transformations in their life, they're doing things that they normally wouldn't do. They're putting themselves in situations and and growing themselves. And it's so funny to watch because I feel like it's an age group. And I think that that age group is getting younger and younger. I mean, this was a this was an accomplished woman who was a teacher, um, you know, and then, you know, her life changes. She makes a decision to make a change. And I I just think that that's really pretty cool. So um, take a look at her Facebook page, because I'll tell you one Um, She does some really, really cool stuff. I'm seeing a lot of neat stuff up here and um, checking out some of the fun uh, posts that she has and and her charities and her appeals and what she's looking for. So it's kind of neat. Go and go and check that stuff out. So um, other than that, boys and girls, you know, I think uh, that's what I got for the show. Uh, Pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Uh, Rebecca, I want to thank you so much for coming out here and hanging out with us for the week. Um, I, or for the, for the, for the last hour and a half, almost two. Um, I love the idea of, uh, of what you're doing. I love the platform with you, what you're doing, which is with the education and, and all of that. I think it's great. So everybody do me a favor, follow Rebecca, uh, check her out. She's pretty awesome. So, uh, with that, I want to thank everybody that we have to thank. You guys know who they are. We're going to talk about, um, thanking the boys down there, radioinfluence.com with Jerry and Jason, always available. You guys have a podcast idea. Look, you're, you're always going to get a no if you don't ask. You got a 50-50 shot of getting a yes if you ask. You have an idea. You have something you want to talk about. Trust me. Go to have a conversation with Jerry and Jason. Not only are they great individuals, but look, if you want to put a podcast together, they'll help you in that direction and they're going to help you make it happen. And I think that's pretty awesome. So uh, Maggie Gagliardi, just the amazingly wonderful, uh, just, just perfect woman who – I think is, is just such a cool chick who's also uber creative when it comes to everything. She does all of our graphic designs. She made these wonderful logos for me for my restaurant um, and for all the stuff that she's doing. She does a great caricature of every single person for the podcast. So go and check out, uh, follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Mags Art, M-A-G-Z-A-R-T. Check out some of her stuff. She's blowing up, boys and girls. I'm telling you, she's blowing up right now. Um, 
And the fact that she still works with me and puts up with me is uh, something that's that's pretty great, and I appreciate that. Uh, Michelle out there, Techno Solution, again, just crushed another website for me. Just crushed another design of a menu for me. Just such a wonderful group of people that I try to surround myself with, and I want you guys to use them as well. So check them out at Techno Solutions, T-E-C-H-K-N-O-W, Solutions. Find her and communicate with her because she's somebody you need in your business. Thank you guys so much. Do me a favor. Go out there and fucking be nice to people, man. Just be nice. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crochelle. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. Everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.